ex-England Rugby Sevens captain, IRB International Sevens Player of the Year 2009. He's a broadcaster, a columnist, a world record holder, an adventurer having sailed around the world and tracked to the North Pole, Director of Digital Transformation at PwC, uh, motivational speaker, Ollie Phillips. It's been great. It's been a, a topsy-turvy adventure so far, 35 years, but... Some of it planned, some of it not quite so planned, but that's part of the part of the fun of it all. It started when I was about four years of age. Um, I think I was a pretty boisterous, lively kid, so my mum just wanted me to go and do something, get me out of the house, and rugby was a good excuse to get me out of that, out of that house. So, and then progressively, as I got you know, a bit older, particularly my teens, probably 15, 16, I started to get a bit, a bit keen and a bit serious about what I was doing. I remember I used to do some stupid stuff. Like I used to think that being able to run loads was essential so I used to get my mum to pick my brother up from school I'd put my bag in the back of her car and I'd race her home <laughs> <laughs> that's what I used to do I used to run home and it was about 30 minute run 35 minute run uh, yeah I used to occasionally get there if the traffic was bad in Brighton I was like yes this is the dream so all the little shortcuts but no, I think that's sort of where it began if you like a bit of a, a mild obsession I actually put career if you like on hold I obviously loved it with a passion but I went to Durham University and luckily got into Durham got up there did my three years and then end of my first year Newcastle Falcons came in 20 minutes up the road and from there I uh, sort of be you know began my full-time professional career and from that point on I sort of never looked back really just very very fortunate that you know within six months of playing I was picked for England to go away to Dubai for my first tournament and then fast forward that you know, th three years later I was captain and sort of holding that role for a few years and it's absolutely brilliant and, and if I'm honest in a real purple patch for English rugby at that point in time we had a great great season uh, in 2008-2009 in particular you know, we went to Dubai and nobody still knew who was going to be captain and we've been training since October this is December so there was this, you know, there was quite a few strong leaders in the group, a lot of experience in the group. Um, and when he gave me the nod at the start of Dubai, you know, when we, when you read out the team select, the squad selection, and said, and Ollie's going to captain the, the team this season, you know, I was like, you know, wow. Uh, I don't know, a bit of a culmination of, of your dreams and your ambitions and whatever to, to do that, um, and to find out with all your team there and. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I, I was pretty fortunate. The, the team that I, I got asked to lead, they were so talented. It was quite easy to, to, to lead them because they were that good. So going out onto a field and running around in this purple you know, purple patch for English rugby where I think we hit five finals, six finals that year. We won three of them. You know, just, this, just this incredible adventure. We came second in the world that year. I was really lucky at the end of that year. I got voted as an IRB World Player of the Year. So you know, to turn around and go, oh yeah, I'm the best player in the world. If I'm honest, it was just all thanks to all them. I mean, I just sort of stood in the middle. I just loved the whole thing from start to finish. Now the playing was great fun and a massive ego boost, playing at Twickenham, playing all over the world, whatever. But even the training, I loved it. I loved feeling fit. I loved going in and having the, you know, the, the banter every day I love the sport of rugby so, so that it wasn't a chore it wasn't a job for me I, you know, luckily I was paid to do it but I would have done it for free I can tell them that in hindsight yeah. <laughs>
2013. Uh, it was a World Cup. We we basically got to a World Cup final. We were playing New Zealand. I uh, was sort of well. I, I wish I could tell you it was this big glorious moment that I sort of reached out with five people on my back and scored the winning try for us to win the World Cup. But it, you know, it wasn't that in the slightest. I, no one around me, no one near me, chasing down the wing. Um, uh, and all of a sudden, bang, I just dropped to the floor. No, uh, no explanation. And I think the most frustrating part of the whole thing, even to this day, is I've, nobody's been able to tell me what it is. Uh, they said I severed the nerve in my calf. I don't quite know how you do that, but you know you have to be explosive and you know I'm not one of those things. The plan was I'd had a two-year contract on the table from England. I was going to, in theory, go to the Commonwealth Games and hopefully to the Olympic Games. All of that went within two hours. So from having this sort of clear direction of travel, uh, hopes and ambition, it just stopped dead. And that was really, really tough, really, really tough. Not only from the fact that, you know, that had gone out the window, you know, I'd lost contracts before, whatever, that, that you can deal with that sort of stuff. That's, you know, if I'm honest, it's just money. It doesn't really matter in the thousands of significance. That what was frustrating was all my injuries in the past had been, you broke your leg or you dislocated your shoulder, these are the various stages you've got to do. If you're diligent and you're meticulous about your, your planning, and you'll get there. And it's nine months and you try and do it in six or whatever it is. Whereas this was, we don't know what you've done. We don't know what you've done. So you could, you know, you could stay here for next year, do eight months with us. Hopefully your nerves recover and you can come back and play. Equally, it might not be that. We've got no idea. We've tried loads of different things and just doesn't, it's not working. So five weeks after having that injury, I left, uh, well, so to tell you the full story, that evening when I did my calf, I call it serendipity, but I had a phone call from a guy called Sir Robin Knox Johnson. He was the first person to ever single-handedly sail around the world. And he runs and founded a company called the Clip Around the World Race. And he just said, look, I've seen you got injured, um, blah, blah, blah. It would be great if, you know, would you be up for doing the Clipper Race? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've never sailed before in my life, but you know, you know, why not? A few things I've never sailed, a few minor details I've never sailed before, and also when does it leave? Because at the moment I can't really walk. He said we'll leave in five weeks' time. And you need to do three weeks back-to-back -back training in in order to qualify for the insurance and everything else like that. So I'm like, all right, well let's do it. So literally from doing my calf, within four days I was down in. Uh, down in uh, Gosport doing my training for three weeks back to back with them did that packed up my flat said goodbye to all the family and left so within five weeks that was the sort of time scale and then I was away for an entire year and my 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 thought process was you know go have this incredible life adventure because why do you want to sit around back in the UK hoping that in seven eight months your leg might have recovered you could go sail around the world, have this incredible adventure, amazing life story. You'll be slightly longer, you'll be 11 months, but you'll have still given it the same rest and recovery and if it's okay, you can come back and play then. I came back off the sail race, went to Dubai again in the December and I knew, I knew December 2014 that, that was it, done. I, was, I did the sail race, so I didn't necessarily have to think, you know, for me, it brought life back to a really, simplistic way of living you know we slept ate sailed you know that was that was life it was 
brilliantly and beautifully simplistic. Amazing that we could go from you know London to Rio de Janeiro, no phones, no no email, no nothing. That was it. Just the company that you had, and then the ocean. It was just amazing. And then because of the people that did that in my job now, where where I work at PwC, you know that came about through one of the crew members that was on my boat that did one leg and they said at the end of their time look I've never met anybody that can lead a team the way you lead a team you need to come and work for us and I still had ambitions to play for England and again and everything else so I was like oh yeah yeah whatever do it later cheers mate don't even know where you work and and then it you know it became a bit of a, a bit of reality I fast forward 15 months from that conversation and that was offered the opportunity to join this firm and become you know, a director of, of digital transformation here and they said that we they made me a job offer they said that we'd love you to be a director on our digital transformation team in tax and I was like brilliant you know, I don't know anything about PwC I don't know anything about digital and I don't know anything about tax and their reply was don't worry you're perfect you know we've got loads of people that know lots about you know those things uh, not we don't necessarily have our people that can help pull all that together pull all that together relate to the various different people that within the, are within the business relate to our clients communicate to our clients and translate what the hell it is that we're doing and what and the value that we can offer i guess i was naturally a extrovert you know outgoing i enjoy people's company whereas some people don't work that way um so i find it quite easy to be in an environment with new people make new relationships find out a bit about them and, and that lends itself well into the world that I now work in. Um, equally, if, if somebody had asked me to be a, a coder or perhaps some, I, I don't know, somebody that is just reading numbers all day long, that wouldn't be my skill set. I wouldn't be very good at that. Um, so it's about, for me, I guess having good self-awareness and understanding what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and then equally the management that either you're working for or with or whatever they understand they recognize what you're really good at and what you're weak at and then building a team that complements each other around that and that's if I'm honest that's what it directly relates to sport at the same time you know, we had the same thing you know, I was a winger or a center so my job was to sort of be out there run fast try and score tries equally nobody was asking me to be a hooker or a second row if they did I'd be pretty bad at it you know, we wouldn't win many games or I'd, I would be a, a massive handicap so you know good coaches recognize that okay we need somebody who's really really good at this role we put them in that role in that position and then we work on the collaborative bit to, to get the team fully firing don't get me wrong the, the transition for me away from sport into PwC was incredibly hard much harder than I thought it was going to be and it took a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. Um, and I constantly kept asking myself that same question, like, you know, what are these, you know, everyone says you've got transferable skills, but, you know, what does that mean? You know, I don't understand, well, you know, I can't just come in and start smashing people at the, you know, you know photocopy machine. In, the, in this firm, there are some incredibly talented people. But, you know, the, the hardest challenge for me was coming in as a director uh, and being surrounded by, yeah, I guess, people that knew miles more than me lots lots more than me and you know, previously in my other career 
there were lots of people that knew lots about rugby, but equally I was just as competent. You know, I could argue back, I could say, no, we're going to go this way. I could, I could back it up with meaning and reason. Whereas in coming to PwC, I, I was in theory leading, but without any knowledge of, of why we should go this way. So I was fully and well, utterly dependent on the people around me who were saying, no, no, we need to do this. And I was like, all right, well, we need to do that. Then, you know? so, and that was uncomfortable for me. That was massively uncomfortable. I guess the recognition, acceptance of the fact that, okay, everything that since I was four, my whole identity had been built upon, i.e. Ollie the, well, and my passion point, but Ollie the rugby player, now that's who I was. You know, if I went into meetings with anyone, people like, oh, hi, I'm Ollie. Like, well, you know, what do you do? I, I play rugby. You know, play rugby for a living. That was, you know. And even my first year and a half in PwC, I, even though I was a director at PwC, uh, they'd be like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Ollie. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I used to play rugby. That's what, I, that's what I would say, rather than I'm a director at PwC. I found that transition the hardest to accept was that, okay, everything that I knew and uh, felt confident about and built all my values on and was my entire identity now wasn't anymore. One thing that massively helped me was a, a big sort of self-awareness piece, understanding me and what moved me and, and motivated me was, was a crucial factor in my transition across from, you know, I guess being driven by playing for England or, or keeping up that identity as a successful rugby player and I guess rebranding into whatever it might you know successful PwC or successful businessman I, I think it was all about just understanding what my reasons for moving were and being comfortable at the weirdly enough when we used to play for England our saying used to be you had to be comfortable at being uncomfortable it was just all about basically being able to perform when you were absolutely banjacks and you had nothing left for me, it was getting used to the fact that, okay, I am going to be out of my comfort zone. The difference is, when I was absolutely blowing in my lungs, I kind of enjoyed that experience. You know, I loved that feeling because I could feel the endorphins in my body and everything else like that. In this environment, I don't get any endorphins. You know, it's this is, okay, you're in, a, you're in territory here, Ollie, which is unknown, uncharted. You're not really sure what lots of people are talking about around the table. You need to figure this out as you're going along and at the same time not drop the ball and that was and that's that's hard but equally I've got to come to terms with the fact that and actually got excited a bit more about learning new things but bizarrely still a still a combat zone but just a very very different guys and different emotions different feelings if you like much more tactical much more strategic about okay how do we how do how do we deliver as much value to this relationship to this client as possible now how do we win this business whereas for me it was how do we win this game and normally that could be dictated by being bigger faster fitter stronger whatever that would help enormously you know, in this business you can equate that exactly the same we, I would argue we've got you know, the, the most qualified intelligent competent skillful people to fulfill a task but it's, it's just that the, the emotions, the feeling for me are different and it's getting my, bo my body or me used to that. Is that, okay, Ollie, you're gonna get the highs and lows in a different different way now. I mean, I, I never wanna lose connection with the game because I, I love it, you know, I love it so much. I was passionate about the sport, I love playing it. Um, 
and it's given me a huge amount. You know, I wouldn't have sailed around the world if it wasn't for that. I would have gone to the North Pole if it wasn't for rugby. I wouldn't be in this place if, you know, realistically, if it wasn't for, for rugby and everything else like that. So, yeah, I, I, I like to stay involved and see what it is, and I'm, I'm still passionate about it. So, writing in, you know, in newspapers and commentating on you know, Sky or whoever else. That's, a, that's an opportunity in a way for me to still remain at the sort of elite level of, of the sport and, and keep my fingers in, in the pie if you like. I just enjoy the challenge in general whether that's in PwC or in writing or whatever you know when you're writing or when you're commentating you need to keep things succinct punchy powerful engaging you know that constant mind thought process in your head of like okay, how do I how do I deliver something here that's that's really good without being contrived and and too sort of you know pre-programmed um, you know and, and that's that's the challenge and it's, it's quite fun doing that and uh, you know I've, can talk the hind legs off a donkey so at least it gives me an opportunity to gas away on a microphone if someone said ollie would you trade all the three or four things the, the, the things that you did in those three or four years between your injury and an olympic silver medal which is what gb went on to win against fiji i'd probably say yeah i'd trade it so whilst you know uh, sometimes life deals you lemons and you either make lemonade or you you know, you, you chuck it in the bin, and you know, and for me, it was just about okay. These are the cards have been dealt. How do we make the most of this situation? I, you know, sailing was an opportunity. If someone said to me when I was 25, "Do you want to sail around the world?" and is this a life ambition? I said, "No chance." You know, but I was injured, nothing else to do. Great opportunity, life experience. It taught me so much about myself in hindsight now that it was a it was a massive blessing in disguise, but I wouldn't have done it if um, it, it wasn't a passion point. So sometimes it is about, yeah, it's, it's about pursuing things that perhaps are a bit the unknown that leads to something else that suddenly is a, is a load of fun. And, uh, and that's been interesting. I'm having my first child in April. Imagine that euphoric feeling that you get when you you told you how you're having a child or you have a child or that sense of nervous energy that you get about proposing to your partner or going into a big deal or whatever like that that emotion multiply it by 20 more and 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 then you run out into this cauldron of noise and and euphoria and some people crumble some people absolutely revel in it and i just loved it it was you know i've never i don't really drink i've never done drugs but it's probably the closest thing i could imagine to to doing drugs you know like this this incredible adrenaline hit that suddenly you feel like you could just take on the world and i think it's very i think that's one of the reasons why you get issues when you know players come out of it because you know these huge emotional highs and lows you know you get these huge highs at the start of the game bang and then if you win it keeps going and if, it, if you lose it really plummets and they're addictive you know it becomes an addictive environment and when you do it for 12 years 15 years it's like you want it becomes habitual for you and um and i, I can only and i can only liken it to those people that have done it as the you know the greatest feeling you you could possibly imagine and the only times i've ever you know had a similar experience 
of, of that nervous energy and of that euphoria are those major life moments. Success for me means having a level of self-awareness and understanding as to what you're all about. So understanding your purpose and value sets and then going out and fulfilling them. I think lots of, even myself and even my early 20s, I was driven by winning and I was driven, and that could be in success in terms of selections or captaining England or number of victories, cash. It's all pretty shallow. It's all it's all fairly hollow, and it doesn't last. It doesn't. It, the the consistency is not there because if it's not rooted in real purpose and real value, and real self awareness as to why this is really important to you, what is it achieving? What higher thing, if you like, is it achieving for you? And and what itch is it scratching? Then it's gonna. It's not gonna last very long. And that's what I've learned definitely in the last sort of. I would say more three four years. Um, that you know, success for me means actually coming back, stepping back, and understanding in me, having that self-awareness. Say, you know what? Why? Why is this important to me? All these great things we've spoken about, you know, they're history now. You know, someone else is doing it. So you know, sailing around the world, playing for England, going to the North Pole, all amazing experiences, great memories that I love forever. Everyone, not every, well, everyone in theory can do it. You know, so. They're just little specks in history, but they need to be part of something that, for you, is a really self-fulfilling journey that is is part of a wider a mosaic, if you like. And, uh, and that's what I've started to realise now is, is what success is for me. I mean, I'm not particularly great at this yet as well, if I'm honest, right? But but just taking some time to pause and, and reflect is, is a really crucial element. A bit like, you know, when... If I liken it to my sporting days, everyone used to tell us that you know, rest and recovery was crucial. You know, like make sure you take the day off. And a lot of us were so, I guess, insecure that we thought actually doing that would cheat ourselves out. Like by taking a day off and eating an ice cream or something like that, we were, it was detrimental to our bodies. And bizarrely, you know, and the irony of that is, is it, that value is so, um, it resonates so much now with what I'm doing in terms of you need to put your foot on the pedal and just break for a minute take you know take some time to reflect as to where you are what's going on what's happening around you what direction travel you're currently going in is that where you really want to be going what does that all sort of mean over all the context so that then you can assess and, and move forward